Banter Banter is back uh, again to yeah, enrich like, your I, lives with assistive technology news. Damn, see, you've been busy <laughs> during the time off. You've been, you've been working on jingles, clearly. <laughs> is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minot, and uh, joining me today, the songster, Mr. Ryan Fleury. Howdy. No Steve Barkley again today, but we promise he's not dead. He's, <laughs> he's around. He'll be back. He'll be back one day. He might even be back he's next doing week. a lot of catch-up. He's very busy right now. Yes, he has been. It's a busy summer for him. Yep. Uh, how was your uh, week off? It was pretty laid back, you know, it was a staycation, so we didn't go anywhere. But we had, you know, brunch with family and, and brunch with friends and oh, nice. we actually made it out to the record store to pick up a couple more pieces of vinyl. Yeah, you mentioned that you were going to do that. Good. That, so that was successful? Yeah, well, not as su successful as I wanted it to be, but I got two out of the five I think I was looking for. So, Oh, listen, who can't can afford records these days? What are, they, what are they, 40 bucks each? No, it depends on the record, but, you know, 12 bucks, 14 bucks, 20 bucks. Okay, well, that's not bad. I mean, yeah, I yeah they're, not, they're not new. In the day. Yeah, they're not new. If I was to buy, like, you know, Fleetwood Mac Rumors on Amazon, it's like 35 bucks or something. Oh, right? hold on. What do you mean they're not new? You mean this is like a used record store, and it's their $12 and $14? Yep. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> I used to go to used record stores and buy records for 50 cents. Yeah, that was in the 80s, Rob. Whatever. <laughs> what? No, it wasn't. No, no, absolutely. Well, wait. No. All right, well, whatever. <laughs> Napster changed everything. Dang. Um, Remember Napster? Yeah, no Napster. What? Yeah, of course I remember, remember Napster. Jeez, I miss Napster. <laughs> remember this day. Was, I can't tell you. Thanks a lot, Metallica. That's right. Jerks. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, what uh, what the hell are we doing today? Well, today we got an email from a previous podcast guest from Envision AI. Uh -huh. Asking if you could share with our audience some exciting promotional news that they are having. So we are speaking with Karthik Cannon from Envision AI. Lovely. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And what else are we doing? Today we Nothing. are also talking about news. <laughs> news, 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 news. Uh, news. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just in music mode today. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, we hadn't, you know, we haven't really talked much news in the past few weeks and we've been off. And so, you know, we got a little bit of collection of stuff to talk about. So, uh, yeah, we thought that uh, maybe the time was the time was high to uh, the time do was high to do some yes. news. That wasn't 15 seconds worth. They can't see me. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, um, I'll shut up. No, why don't don't shut up? You, right. you can just you can just sing for forty minutes. <laughs> and I can just I can go have lunch. I'm, I'm down. With 
<laughs> no, nobody wants to hear uh, me sing. Well, let's talk some news. What? No news, Daniel? No new news, <laughs> You got to start working on that. All right. Let's start things off by talking about your personal favorite topic to talk about. Um, pizza? And no, <laughs> no, not, well, no, close though, we, but we have a pizza story later. Uh, no, ride sharing slash taxis. Oh, uh, yes. Good old ride sharing. Now, uh, I've kind of bundled a couple of new, different news stories together. Uh, one, one more local, but, and, and one from the States. Um, but both, I think, reflect something that, that has needed to be addressed for a long time. It's been a problem for a long time. And that is both, t- and, and this is, again, this is, there, there are two different stories about two different uh, services, you know, one a taxi service and one, and one ride sharing, uh, both pretty much the same thing. Uh, so let's, we'll start, we'll start at the national story, which is the, uh, a San Francisco woman with a disability says that Lyft drivers have repeatedly canceled her rides when they pull up and see her service dog. So this woman, uh, has a service dog named Astra, uh, and she explained that during a recent visit to San Francisco to attend a, a admitted student's reception, a Lyft driver canceled on her when the driver pulled up and saw her service dog who was wearing a dog vest that said service dog and medical alert. Uh, she, of course, reported the incident to Lyft's trust and safety team. They responded saying all the right things, offered her a $5 credit. Um, <laughs> Have but, a nice day. <laughs> well, yeah, big deal, right? Uh, but she's, she'd also said that she had two more similar experiences. It's not just Lyft or Uber. You know, it's the well, taxi Uber, companies. Again, again, like, you know, we, we could pull up stories from, from about Uber that very similar stories. As well as taxis. Exactly. And it, like you said, it's nothing new. This has been happening for years. And, you know, what I don't understand is, you know, some taxi drivers will say, you know, it's, it's some I think, something to do with their religion or they're allergic to dogs. And, you know, yes, there are people that are allergic to dogs. But you know what? Then you sh- I don't think, well, yeah, I'll go out and say it. Send all hate mail to cowbell at atbanter.com. But if you're allergic to dogs, then I don't think you should be in a employment situation or service that caters to the public. You know? I, I would agree. I agree 100. percent I don't think that's that's any cause for hate mail. I mean, I think that that just makes sense. I mean, that's you know, if if you you have to realize that when you're in a public service like this, like you can't can, you, you you can't just refuse people. Yeah. I mean, you're just you know, you're gonna have to except the fact that uh, on occasion you may have to take a dog. Can you and imagine? If, you, if you're not okay with that, then don't don't be a Lyft driver. Don't be a taxi driver. Can it's you, as simple as that. Can you imagine if you're standing at a bus stop and the bus driver sees you with a guide dog, service dog, therapy dog, whatever, and just drives right past you? That's right, yeah. So there would be a huge human outcry. You know, yeah. And the taxi drivers, all transportation should have to obey or follow the same laws that relate to transportation and service animals, whether it's ride sharing, whether it's taxis, transit, whatever. Um, you know, these guys need to be held accountable. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and to Lyft's credit, you know, we should go on to say that, uh, you know, they responded to, uh, the incident 
and they responded with a statement saying, what the writer described is unacceptable. Community safety and inclusivity are core to our mission, and we have a strict service animal policy that requires all drivers to accommodate riders traveling with service animals. Failure to abide by that policy can result in being removed from the Lyft community. You know, so, I think what I, I I think what I need to do is I need to see if I can get somebody from Uber or Lyft or a ride sharing. You know, we're 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 supposed to be getting ride sharing actually here in the Lower Mainland next month. Um, so it'd be actually interesting if I could get somebody on from Uber or Lyft to talk about you know what their policies are regarding people with disabilities and service animals. Yeah, you know, you, you know the 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 woman who who was refused service. You know, she her her response to all this was, you know, she acknowledged that Lyft is is following the letter of the law, but she, in her opinion, she, where they're falling down is that is that uh, they're not training the drivers of the policy and they're not really enforcing the policy. So, for example, this driver that did this, you know, is he going to be removed from the Lyft community? Will he lose his status because of this? We don't know. Like that that part of it. And that's just sure it, of. you know, the enforcement. Well, you know, until the, until the, the drivers really understand that this is a policy and that if they don't adhere to it, uh, they're, you know, they're going to essentially get fired. Um, they're, you know, it, they're not going to take notice of it. You know, they may just drive off, you know, you know, and especially if they don't even know the policy is there, you know, that's, that's the other the part of the X factor of this is Lyft may have this policy, but do they really, enforce it or do they you know let their drivers know that it's in place because a policy is no good if nobody knows that it's there oh absolutely absolutely and and again you know enforcement it always comes back to enforcement we have vehicles that speed up and down our street every every night and you hear about you know cars that were speeding and and in accidents and people are always complaining about you know how fast people are going and ticketing isn't working and, you know, what I've always thought, and I still say today, is that, you know, driving's a privilege, it's not a right. You know, if you're caught speeding, impound the car for 60 days or impound it and crush it. I'm sorry, you've lost your privileges. <laughs> uh, seriously, <laughs> driving, is, driving, driving is not a right. And if you want people to change, society to change their attitudes, then you've got to get enforcement. You've got to yeah, be tough. Listen, yeah. You know, you can't just, oh, here's a $200 ticket and the guy's back in his car the next day doing the same thing again. You know, if you want to change attitudes, you've got to get tough. Let's see if I can get somebody on, talk about their policies, and you know, it'd, you be know, good, it'd be good to that, educate people. You know, again, I think that really the only response that you would just get is that they would point to the policy, that, which, you know, again, they're doing all the right things mm -hmm. on paper. You know, the policies are there. But again, it's, it's really just enforcement. And, and unless they're actually penalizing drivers for doing this, um, nothing's going to come of it. You know, I, I'd still like to actually talk to somebody from a ride sharing company to find out how the system works. So you have an app on your phone, you request the ride, but that ride shows up, sees you have a dog or whatever the situation is and leaves. Does, does the ride sharing company actually get a signal that that driver has actually left and not picked up the person? Or does that person actually have to phone in and say, I think the car pulled up and left? Um, or the car did pull up, saw my dog and left, you know, it, how does, how, how does that whole system work? Right. Cause I don't know, you know, um, you know, I, I've got the Uber app on my phone and I'm looking forward to actually trying it when we, when we get them here. But, you know, I just like to know how, 
how the process works. So now on a related story, uh, here in the Lower Mainland, there was a story in the local paper about uh, somebody in a wheelchair who got refused uh, several times uh, by taxi drivers. Two weeks ago, Gabriel Peters spent a rare day out in Vancouver with friends. They took in a cultural festival in the afternoon, then headed for dinner at a restaurant Peters had always wanted to try. Peters uses a wheelchair. It's always a challenge to find a taxi that will take her, but she says the night of July 20th was the worst it's ever been. She and her friends say she was refused by multiple drivers with accessible vehicles who dropped off passengers while she was waiting in front of the restaurant. You know what, you know what they need to do? What? These ride-sharing companies and the taxi companies need to actually start, when they get a complaint from a customer saying the driver pulled up and then left, they should actually be, those drivers should actually be flagged in the system somehow so that, you know, if you're requesting a taxi, you know, you shouldn't have to necessarily say, I'm blind and I have a service dog or I'm in a wheelchair, you know, I, I guess in a wheelchair you need an accessible vehicle so you can load you up. But there needs to, they need to start flagging these drivers so we can actually see, okay, well, you know, this driver isn't going to pick me up, so Uber will send somebody else. Yeah, yeah, that could yeah, that could be certainly part of the solution. Well, that's interesting that you say that because uh, it goes. The article goes on to say that the Vancouver Taxi Association spokesperson Carolyn Bauer told CBC she'd like to speak with Peters about her experience and find a way to make things right. That includes holding the drivers who passed her by accountable. Yep. Bauer says that all taxi companies have penalties for discriminating against disabled passengers. Mm, I didn't know that. The BC Transportation Ministry notes it's strengthened penalties for businesses and drivers that fail to follow the Taxi Bill of Rights, which prohibit discriminating against people with disabilities. Fines of up to $50,000 can now be issued yeah. for anyone who does not comply and licenses can be suspended or canceled. Whoopie well, do. hey, listen, that would be, that'd be, that's a big deal for a taxi company. If they get their license suspended, they're hosed. Yeah, for 30 days or 10 days or whatever the suspension period is, you know, it's no, no different than the Accessible Canada Act. You know, yeah, we can levy fines up to, you know, $100,000. That's never going to happen. You know, fines of $50,000. When's the last time a taxi company fined one of their drivers that? I, I don't know, but I'm speculating it's never happened. Well, I'm assuming that the fifty. I think I think the fifty thousand dollars would be towards a taxi company. I don't think it would be against the individual driver. Although, who knows? I could be wrong about that. But you know, again, it, you know, that's that's the part that we don't know. We don't know what what the companies themselves are doing in terms of enforcing these policies. The policies are on record, and they they say all the right things. Um, but really, you know, the fact that these problems have been around for years years yeah. I mean, how often did we hear stories about uh taxi drivers re re refusing to take uh service dogs yeah i mean this is not something that's new um and i think the pushback really needs to be heard so that drivers know that the, you know they are gonna you know get in real trouble if they do this because you know for for somebody who's in a chair or uh has a service dog or you know, they're relying on these services in order to get around. And when they just get refused offhand, you know, when it takes them two hours to actually get a cab, yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, of everybody. I mean, they're the people that actually need these services the most. Yeah. Yeah. We have another story where, you know, we, we talk about, um, SkyTrain elevators not working and, and people that are in wheelchairs, you know, can't get to where they need to go in a timely fashion. And so those of us with disabilities, um, do rely on these services, I think much more than, you know, the able-bodied community who's able to just either hop in a car, flag a taxi and, and go where they want. Sure. And, you know, and, you know, we can talk about that. I mean, the, the article that you're talking about is, is again, it's from CBC and, and it's a, you know, it's just a piece about what actually happens to uh, people in chairs uh, or people who are relying on the elevators at the SkyTrains um, in order to, to get to the platforms, you know, when those elevators break down, you know, what exactly happens? Like what, what, how does that affect them? Um, you know, and it can easily double their transit time because they'll have to go to a, a different station, you know, use the elevator there and then backtrack. Or sometimes they, they just they, they need to take a, an extra bus. Um, there's there's you know, it's 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 a real inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Part of the, part of the issue that that people are having with TransLink is that these aren't just a case where the, the elevator breaks down. In the middle of the day, this is these these are cases where this is routinely scheduled maintenance, and they say that you know every elevator needs to be inspected once a month. You know these inspections can take three or four hours or even a day, and you know once a year they have to do a, a yearly inspection that's even more in depth and that can take up to two days. So when you're taking an elevator out of service at a station for two days, for example, once a year. Um, that can really have an impact on on the usability of the system for you know a group of people. And I, I guess part of the problem that we're trying to address here is that um, there's no plan B in place for the users. It's just hey, this this elevator is out of service this week. Yeah, and I think two days, and they don't they're not offering you know alternatives for the for the uh for the users it's just they got to come up with their own with their own uh plan the the article goes on to say that translink's policy states that it must have an attendant present when the only critical elevator to access the platform is out for maintenance or repairs uh and they also the company also tries to schedule maintenance during non-peak hours right but there's an industry shortage of qualified elevator technicians. So in other words, they would love to do it by non for non-peak hours, meaning like probably mm-hmm. like after hours. So basically we need we need more elevator technicians. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, and I, I feel like the frustrating part of this is that for years and years and years, and, and who knows, maybe this is changing. I, I would like to think so. But, you know, for years and years and years, I think the attitude has been like, well, look, this only impacts a small fraction of people this is just something we got to do. So we're doing it. And there wasn't really a lot of attention being paid to the impact that it, it had on that small, that small population pushback like this and, and having these issues sort of being brought into the, into the, the daylight, I think is, is extremely important. Well, and I think as, as passengers, you know, we need to know what our rights are. Listen, mobility is an important thing, you know, and especially like, you know, we, we, we're going on about how, you know, uh, more and more businesses are, are being inclusive in their hiring practices and more and more people uh, are, are being employed that have 
things like physical disabilities. So, you know, when there's a higher, when, when more and more people are entering the workforce, that means more and more people have to access things like public transportation. So it's, it's more important than ever um, for, for to have this accessibility in, in public spaces being, being an extremely important issue. And this is where we come back around to our previous discussions on, you know, infrastructure and, and bolt-on accessibility. You know, the infrastructure you know, in most major cities was built 30, 40, 50 years ago. And, you know, accessibility is being bolt-on bolt now. But any new, whether it's public spaces, transit locations, whatever, you know, hopefully that accessibility is in the design stage um, and we won't have these issues going forward. Yeah. Knock on wood. In a perfect world. That's right. Okay, well, uh, how about we talk about that pizza now? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about Domino's. So this is a this is an article out of uh, this is from CNBC. It talks about somebody who is now suing Domino's because their website is not accessible. Yeah, I believe this this customer had tried to use the app as well as the website online to place an order and found that the sites and the app you know weren't fully accessible and decided to, I guess, file a complaint with the ADA, the yep. Americans with Disabilities Act. And Domino's is saying that the ADA does not cover website accessibility. And I understand some lower courts have said, well, yes, it does. But Domino's has decided, instead of working with the customer and other agencies to make their site accessible, they're going to spend millions of dollars and they're approaching the Supreme Court. Yeah. So this this could really set a really bad precedent for companies if Domino's wins this case, because that's going to mean all the lawsuits that have gone through in the past against companies who have made their sites inaccessible aren't going to have to worry about accessibility anymore. Yeah. So so part of the issue is that what what Domino's is saying that is that the the lawsuit itself is a nuisance. Which okay, too bad. Uh, but they argue that the federal government has not yet put out rules that govern how to make web platforms ADA compliant. So now, this is this is an issue that um, I, I remember. You know, when when we had uh, David Lepofsky Lepofsky on uh, discussing uh, the ACA back when they were they were sort of like trying to to. Uh, improve the 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 text of the ACA um, I, I you know he would he would talk about this idea that of standards mm -hmm. um, and that we you know when you when you put it into when you put an act into being um, if you don't have standards uh, it, it's it there it's almost useless you know you have to be able to, to point to things that specific things that companies must do uh, in order for those companies to do them, you can't just say, you know what, your website needs to be accessible. Well, because a company for for a company that that doesn't mean anything to them. They don't they don't if they don't know anything about accessibility. Right. Um, they they 
don't know how to bring their website into compliance. Right. Um, and that's Domino's argument. They're saying that, you know, the, the, the ADA itself um, doesn't say anything about how to make their, their website accessible. But you so know what? I think that's how can, a... how can they be held accountable for they don't even know how to comply? Well, and, and that's maybe the hazy gray area that they might succeed on with this case. But again, you know, for many years, there have been guidelines for creating web accessibility. There's sure. been the W3C, World yep. Wide Web Consortium. There are guidelines on building accessible sites and accessible apps. And, you know, sure, maybe Domino's didn't think about accessibility. Maybe they didn't take the time to maybe work with this customer and do a little bit of digging on, you know, how can we make our site and app accessible? You know, we don't know, really know the full backstory between this client and Domino's, but, you know. Well, this, again, this, this suit has been in, in existence for three years. This so Domino's this lawsuit? Brand new, yeah, yeah. He's been suing them for three years now. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, listen. These these things take a while to 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 get to get moving. Right? So, so so think of the money that Domino's has spent pursuing this to get to the Supreme Court, which it may or may not make. It's still, I think, a couple months away. They say, um, when they could have maybe just reached out to the ADA, the NFB, the ACB, whoever, and said, you know, look, you guys, here here's here's a chunk of money. Can you help make our website accessible? And they would have saved a ton of money. And the kicker to all this that I <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> F you Domino's is this week, Domino's is having a half sale price on all on, on a bunch of pizzas. It's like, <laughs> you know, I can't use your app. I can't use your website. So F you Domino's. I'm not going to support you. You know, if this is gonna, how you're going to treat your patrons, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, all it takes is a quick Google search on website accessibility and you're going to find all sorts of stuff. This didn't yeah. have. This didn't have to go to court. Yeah. Well, you know, listen. I, I, I'm. I'm by no means taking Domino's side on this. <laughs> but shitty pizza. But anyway. I do think that they're they they do have a point in terms of that. Maybe the, the act itself. Maybe if it's not clear with what the standards are, then that's a problem. Well, that's just it. If it just says and, and, if it just says your site has to be accessible, that's not enough. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Like you know, you have to you have to be really clear with these acts. And you know, we're, we're looking down the barrel of having a bunch of similar problems. I feel like with mm -hmm. with this, the, the new ACA Act for us. Yep. Um, which for, for you know all the everybody down who listens down in the states, it's basically our version of, of the ADA. Yeah, and like I said earlier, you know, if if Domino's is successful in winning this case, it's going to set a precedent for every other company out there to not have to worry about accessibility and it could set us back decades but you know there i think there was a real irony behind that is that there are there are all clearly there oh, are sure. already a lot of companies out there that aren't yeah. taking web accessibility seriously well for example there's still a lot of a lot of sites that seem to be not accessible i mean i don't know you know again i don't know this user's um you know what he's using as a screen reader i don't know 
you know, just what the extent of the, the lack of accessibility is for Domino's. Mm-hmm. Um, if their site is, you know, maybe it, it uses a lot of pop-ups and a lot of graphical menus and stuff that, that makes that ordering process impossible, even with a screen reader. Um, but I mean, you, you know, it, it seems, it seems insane to me that, a, that a company that relies on, um, the general public being able to to order food online and the fact that they can do it online and through an app is incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems crazy to me that they would, they would try to put the brakes on that. I mean, you'd think that it's like, wow, look, if we make our, our app or our website super accessible that way, you know, all these, all these, you know, people who are using screen readers can order pizzas just as easily as anybody else. That's, that's only going to help improve their bottom line, not take away from it. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked from a from a business perspective to see Domino's doing this. Well, and that's it just one example. A little bizarre, but I mean, you know, the, the, this article goes on to say that uh, it's you know it's not just Domino's, and there are other business groups that are that are absolutely supporting uh, Domino's in the fight, including you know the Restaurant Law Center and the National Retail Federation. Um, they're they're all on Domino's side on this one. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like my wife and I use Skip the Dishes, and you know, there's a bunch of buttons on there that are unlabeled. So you know, I I can't use the app independently using Voiceover on my iPhone. So I have to get my wife to use her phone because she has sight and she can tap the buttons. But you made a, a good point earlier. You know, there's a website I use for sharing my music, and their website is pretty clunky and fairly inaccessible for the most part um it, it's usable but there's a lot of room for improvement and i've reached out to them uh, multiple times and pointed them to resources links on how you know we may be able to work together and make their site more accessible so that those of us who are blind or visually impaired could get the most out of you know their services and offerings and i've heard nothing back um right. so you know just just to complain to a company isn't enough you need to go that extra mile give them some resources you know show them that you're interested show them that there's a business case for making their site more accessible and opening it up to more people well listen but let me push back against you on on that because you went and did that you you went that extra mile and and you know gave them that information you haven't heard anything back and so it could very well be that you know for for a lot of people you know uh litigation is is you know the 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 route that you have to take with these guys because that's right. how you get their attention right but i mean you know more and more we're in this digital age where where apps and and websites and stuff are just integral to uh being a consumer mm-hmm. um and you know for somebody who who say is is say visually impaired who you know wants to order a pizza well you know doing it online and doing it doing it through an app um, maybe is is the best option for them. And the fact that they're being locked out of that experience in 2019, 2019 and, and every single website on the internet is not, is not accessible. I mean, that's a little bit shocking. You know, when you consider how long web accessibility yeah. has been supposedly so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and same with apps. You know, the, the one of the you know, I'll go back to skip the dishes for a second. One of the great things I love about it is I can see a list of restaurants I never would have even yeah. found before using the app. You know, on Monday, uh, you know, this past week, 
I ordered a pizza from a company I'd never used before, and it was really good pizza, and the prices were better than, you know, other competitors in town. So it's a great way of discovering new foods, new restaurants as well. And if they make it more accessible, then, hey, I'll, I'll spread the word and tell people, hey, use this app. It's fully accessible. All these restaurants are here. Try something new. You know, the article does mention the fact that that in terms of web, web accessibility and usability, um, there's there's a ton of space for, for companies to innovate and yeah. to really take take the reins and charge forward with this and open up their business to a, a whole new demographic that would flood into their service or their or their company or their retail space, their online retail space, I mean. Um, you have this whole new demographic that's hungry for this stuff. And, it, you know, from a business point of view, it, it just, it doesn't make sense to, to lock out no. um, people, you know, for no, no other reason than, I don't know, it's going to cost you a few bucks initially to, to actually innovate or to make, to make sure that your app or your website is, uh, is fully accessible. Yeah, and, you know, we as, you know, I'll just use the blind population, for example, we're pretty patient people, you know. Well, we don't expect a company like Domino's, I, well, I don't anyway, I shouldn't speak for everybody, a company like Domino's to be fully accessible overnight. But if I see them making improvements like, oh, look, all of a sudden they've got, you know, in increased magnification or, or increased font size on their website or change colors, if, if I see they're making some advances then great, and give them the credit that's due. Because if we don't, there's no reason for them to continue. We need to support the companies that are building accessibility into their sites and products. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe some people would just look at this issue and go, well, why didn't the, why didn't the dude just call the number then? Like, if you can't, if you can't access the, the website, just call the number and order it through voice. But Maybe he's nonverbal. That, 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 yeah, sure. But not only that, you know, yeah, sure, you could be nonverbal or, or whatever. Or you could have social anxiety. Maybe you don't like making phone calls. But the point is, is that it any given website or service should be accessible by anyone regardless of what their limitations are. Uh, and that's more of the point. And it's it's the mindset that needs to be changed as yeah. opposed to that. That's what we're fighting for. That's what this lawsuit is about. It's not about the fact that this dude didn't get a you know Hawaiian pizza on a mm -hmm. Friday night. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure he did. He probably just got pissed off, you know, with trying to fight with, with uh, the website and and did just phone it in. So he probably got his pizza in the long run, anyways. But the point of the matter is, it's the it's this mindset that that needs to change. And in a, in a digital space, the digital space needs to be treated just like. The physical space fight that we're we're also having over accessibility, things need to be accessible um, from the get go. They need to be built accessible, and it's not it's not an expensive process when you when you build accessibility in from the ground up as opposed to trying to tack it on later. And I understand that in the digital space, companies are always trying to to innovate in general. Problem is, is that a lot of times when they do innovate, when they make these apps and they make them flashy or they make them, uh, you know, have all these bells and whistles that for somebody who who can see might be great, but it, it locks 
people out who are, say, using screen readers. Yeah, and, you know, perfect, perfect example of that is, is the Amazon website. You go to Amazon.ca that I use all the time, and, you know, it's, it's quite accessible. I have no problems with it at all. But right at the top, there's a link that says, if you're using a screen reader, click here for a screen reader from the version of the site. <laughs> just, right. like, just build it accessible. Like, <laughs> we shouldn't have an alternative site. Yeah, but at least that's a better... It is, yeah. At least that's a better solution. Yes, absolutely. Say for Amazon, you know, I'm sure that the downside of doing it that way is that, well, now they have two sites that they have to... Maintain. Maintain. Yeah. And and, and that they have to uh, pay attention to. So... Yep. Yeah, so we're definitely, I think... that hard. No, and I think we're definitely going to try to stay on top of this story and, and see where it goes because it's it has the potential for for some big ramifications. Well, like you said, that the suit itself is going to the Supreme Court, uh, which will decide whether or not they're going to hear the case right. uh, in the fall. So it shouldn't be too long, and, and we maybe will see some movement on this and and see where this lands. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, you know, I, I, I really am. I, I, I think that part of my fear is that I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to solve the problem if this guy just gets a, a big settlement from Domino's if they just have to you know pay him a bunch of money and I mean yes it'll maybe put the fear of God into into some of these other companies that are maybe just sort of sitting and waiting to see what happens it's like you know do we need to make our website accessible and let's see how this Domino's things go this Domino things thing goes but I, I what I what I think really needs to happen if we really want to fix this is that they need to go back to the ADA and go, okay, you know what, we need to actually define some standards. We need to actually explain to companies this is what we mean by making your website accessible. And here are, you know, here's the checklist of things that need to happen. Help them out. Well, and like, I wonder. Just put in the act that you know what? Yeah, you just have to make it accessible, and that could really mean a variety of different things. Mm -hmm. And we're not giving you any guidelines to go by. We already know that that doesn't work. So, I mean, that's that's what I would really like to see as a result of this. I think that that's the way that you solve the problem. You know, it's it's not just this guy versus Domino's. Um, you know, we you have to change the mindset, and we have to be wanting to really implement change. And in order to do that, I mean, everybody needs to work together and it doesn't need to be, you know, people with disabilities versus, uh, you know, retails, re retailers on online. Um, we can all work together to make it better. And, you know, everybody wins. Blind people get their pizzas, you know, Domino's gets their gets the money for their crappy pizzas and, you know, everybody's happy. Sorry, Domino's. I'm not a big fan. More of a Boston pizza guy. Oh, yuck. You don't like Boston pizza either? No. I don't like their crust. Really? It's very bland and plain. Mm. I like some substance to my pizza. You know, and yet another story about accessibility that we might as well talk about while we're talking about, about this. It seems, seems to be the, the, the sort of the, the topic of the, the, the episode. Uh, but... Another article uh, from CBC um, about a woman who is complaining about the fact that self-checkouts that we're seeing in more and more uh, grocery stores and, and, well, actually, we're seeing it everywhere. Automation. Grocery stores yeah. uh, 
But, and this is a good point and something that, you know, even I didn't really think about too much is that those self-checkouts aren't really very accessible. No, you, you know, if you're visually impaired or, you know, partially sighted or even blind for that matter, if you're trying They're not to, an option for you. Well, yeah, they're not. And, you know, A, you don't know where the barcode is and you can sure spin your can on the, on the screen and it'll detect it but you're not gonna be able to see the lcd screen and see what the price is and you know all that sort of stuff so you know why don't you read a little bit of the story and give us some more information yeah well i mean you know and again this goes back to this goes back to innovation and it goes back to when when companies innovate um accessibility is not necessarily at all considered um you know i remember when you know self-checkouts first showed up um, you know, there, there was no, it's not like Safeway went, 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 okay, well, we've, we've developed these really cool self-checkout machines, uh, but I don't know, can blind people use them? No, they didn't even think of that. They were just like, no, cool. Here, we've just, we've developed a self-checkout machine. So now we don't have to have as many cashiers. We can help, you know, get more people through, uh, a day than, you know, with, with a lower cost to us when more and more emphasis is, are put on these systems again accessibility you have to you have to take that into account now what i will say about this is that um like i shop at safeway all the time and i do know that with safeway uh they always have one staff member that sort of is monitoring right uh all the all the all the checkout machines so i mean if that's the case if, if you're say visually impaired and you're trying to you know you want to go to the, the self-checkout and, and put through five ten items or something uh, there's a good chance that all you would really need to do is once you get there is to just, you know, flag flag the person down, and they would, I'm sure, be happy to come over and 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 help you with that. Uh, but again, it's it's the mindset that I think that is more important, um, and 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 I think that you know when when retail and public spaces are putting things into effect when they're innovating. I just feel like they need to consider accessibility way more than I think they are. I shared a story yesterday on Tim Hortons. And Which I, I have to I'll just interrupt you there. I noticed that there are um, uh, self-checkouts showing up at Tim Hortons now. Well, and McDonald's has them, yep. you know. So if you have a chance, read the story I shared on, on Facebook on Tim Hortons because it talks about automation and how, you know, there are some restaurants in the States that can chop onions and make burgers and flip burgers all without the use of people. Um, you know, we have all these automated devices coming into our public spaces that have screens on them and no accessibility thought put into them at all. Right. So, you know, you're right. It is all about mentality. And it has to start at the design phase. It can't yes. be an afterthought. Yeah. And, you know, and again, I mean, the downside of that is that is that going to slow down innovation? Probably. I mean, I understand that, that this stuff, it, it's complicated and, and that's going to mire things down. But well, depend, at, the depending the day, on at the end of the day, you know, the, the, we it, people with disabilities have to be considered. I mean, that's the whole, that's why we're having all these fights. And that's why we've got the ACA and the, and the ADA and all this stuff. And when there's, when there's no enforcement in terms of, you know, really making companies really factor 
that accessibility in, um, it, it's just it's it's not gonna it's not gonna start to happen. Yeah, and you know, depending on on the product, um, you know, there I believe are banks and financial institutions that actually have talking ATMs for people who are blind or visually impaired. So, you know, right. how hard would it be for Tim Hortons, let's say, or McDonald's, or Safeway, whoever, that has one of these, you know, self-checkout kiosks that you could just, you know, maybe walk up to and sure, maybe you have to plug in a set of headphones to trigger the text-to-speech, but if you knew that, you'd just have a pair of earbuds with you and, you know, be able to do something independently and feel inclusive. Yep. Um, you know, this this technology has been around a long time, but again, I think it's these companies that just aren't thinking about accessibility. Yeah, and you know, and again, you know, I have to I have to say that you know my experience with some of these self check. I mean, none of these. The point is, none of these problems that you could point to um, in, in accessibility wise are impossible to solve. Um, I know for a fact that, you know, Safeway, when I use the self-checkout, when I scan an item, it's it voices what the item is and how much it is. Right. Above and beyond that, I mean, do you need much more than that in terms of to, to make them accessible? I mean, maybe, but I mean, that's certainly a good start. So, you know, there by no means are, are you, you know, I think that are we trying to set up unrealistic expectations of, of innovation in, in any of these digital spaces. It's all within the realm of possibility. It just, it takes that extra work. And, you know, to, to wrap this conversation back around to, to legislation and, and the, the different acts is that there needs to be enforcement in place and there needs to be standards in place. So that is very clear to, to a company um, what the expectations are in terms of accessibility and how to how do how do you make their system com- comply with those standards? And in order to do that, we need a better system than what we've got. Well, time will tell what happens here in Canada. Anyway, you know, ADA has been around thirty years, so and we know how that's turned out. That's why I was shocked earlier about reading that article about specifically web accessibility standards and the ADA. The fact that this the, that you know the ADA has been around since the nineteen nineties, and uh, they're Apparently, there aren't any um, standards in terms of web accessibility for companies to follow, and that's shocking. Yeah, it's something I don't know enough about, so it may be worth digging into a little bit. But I, I would be really surprised that during the whole dot-com era, this was not a thought. Well, I mean, I'm sure that it mentions web accessibility. I mean, part yeah. of the problem is that, yeah, it, it may mention web accessibility standards, and, and it may require a company to have their website accessible but if they don't define right. what that means yeah no i agree kind of a checklist of things yeah then that just gets this gray area and that's where you get the litigation all right you know what we have babbled enough about accessibility uh why don't we bring our guest on let's do it well i'm glad you reached out to us um but before we get to the big announcement uh-huh. what, why don't we talk a little bit about um what Envision AI is. We had you back on the show in April, and I'm sure, yeah. there's, I'm sure there's been some updates since then. Oh, definitely, definitely. So uh, for those who don't know, Envision is a tool that helps you read text, recognize faces, recognize objects, and so much more. Uh, Envision is basically uh, a tool that's, you know, 
uh, works on the smartphone, right? So you have we both we have a iOS and an Android version out. Um, to give you a quick idea of what the app is capable of, so for example, if you want to read short pieces of text, like you're at a train station and you want to read the display sign, uh, you want to read handwritten text. So the the app is capable of reading handwritten text or even scanning documents or you know reading PDFs. So uh, in terms of reading, the app does it really, really well. We also have other features, like for example, being able to scan for barcodes. We have a huge, extensive library of products and you can scan for barcodes really easily. Uh, it describes scenes around you. And uh, we also introduced a feature uh, called Scan and Find, which allows you to go ahead and scan for objects in your surroundings. So if you have uh, a laptop or if you have a phone uh, in your surroundings, you can actually scan for it, uh, like a chair, an empty chair, for example. That's what users use it for right now. So you can scan for empty chairs and so on. And uh, the app as a whole uh, is, you know, is is packaged uh, to work smoothly with voiceover and also supports uh, dynamic text. So if you have like large text and stuff like that, that's also it also works well for folks who use uh, low vision features of uh, iOS or Android. So that's a short intro about the app itself. Um, coming to what we introduced new after we had a chat, uh, we've been hard at work on localization. So we've currently the Envision app supports over 25 languages. Uh, the app has been translated to 25 languages, that is. And uh, we've also introduced the scan and find feature, which basically allows you to scan for different objects in your surroundings. You can scan for people real time. Uh, we also have, for example, introduced a faster you know, edge detection feature. So for example, the whole scanning of a document uh, becomes really simple on both iOS and Android because we have really updated our algorithm to make it work faster. So these are some of the improvements. And of course, the big sale, the announcement, yeah. Yeah, before we get into that, though, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned barcode sure. reading, and I haven't looked at the Envision um, app since April, and I'm, mm -hmm. I need to mm -hmm. look at it again. But last night, uh -huh. I pulled, pulled out one of the competitors' apps to mm -hmm. scan a barcode on a, mm -hmm. bu a bucket of ice cream we had, mm -hmm. and barcode not recognized. So do the barcode databases that you guys use include mm -hmm. other countries' barcodes? Because I don't think they're similar between countries. Definitely. So we have, uh, we do include, you know, barcodes from across the world. All right. So people use it to recognize barcodes in Israel, in Japan, in India, in the US. Uh, so it works across multiple countries. So it's not just really restricted to one geographical region. And we are continuously adding new products from all of the countries that we support uh, on a daily basis. So this, this database is sort of growing each day. So yeah. I'll definitely have to look at the app again and, and try figure, yeah. figuring out if I'm eating my ice cream or my wife's ice cream. <laughs> yeah, it's ice cream anyway, so yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Karthik, you know, again, thank you so much for reaching out to us to share with our audience the, the big promotion that you guys have going on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Envision is actually uh, having a sale right now where we're offering 50% off on our monthly and annual subscription and a whopping 75% off on the lifetime subscription. So that's basically the big, and this sale is going to last all through August. So it's been happening from the 1st of August uh, and it will continue to go all through August. And it's uh, happening on both iOS and Android. Yeah. That's the big, yeah, wow, that's nice. the big announcement. 
Yeah, it's great. You yeah. know, I've, yeah. I've seen a couple other people posting about it on Twitter and Facebook and such. And, you know, when you reached out to us, unfortunately, I was on holidays, so we couldn't get you on right away. But to any of our audience that's listening, you know, jump on this right away because we've got till the end yeah. of the month. I mean, we, we've heard you guys, you know, that's what I would want to tell your audience. Like, we've heard you guys. Uh, we really think that, you know, uh, the summer sale is a way to get more people yeah. uh, into the Envision community. Right. And it's a way for us to make things a little more inclusive. And yeah, it's it's a big it's a big moment for us as well. Yeah. And absolutely. the response that we've been getting so far for the first 15 days is nothing short of phenomenal. So we've gotten a, a, an amazing response from the community. You know, people who have installed the app uh, ages ago and were not able to subscribe, just came back and bought, bought a lifetime subscription. So it's it's really nice to see the community grow that big in such a short period of time it's amazing well one of the great things that you guys have going for you is and i'm gonna you know toss out some names here you know the seeing a right. seeing ai is only ios uh-huh. the look yep. the new lookout app from google i believe is still only available in the us and on pixel phones so yep. envision ai is both ios and android so yeah you know yep. And we support on iOS. We support iOS 10 and above. Right. And and on Android, we support i uh, Android uh, six and above. Um, so yeah, we are the epitome of inclusion. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. But that's always been our, our thing. Like we want to be available to as many people as possible from as as many different backgrounds as possible, uh, and not really restrict the app to either one country or one set of high end devices. So. That's really how we always do things at Envision. Well, we definitely urge all of our audience and myself included to check out the app if you haven't already and share your experiences with your friends and, and family and post it on social media and, and let Envision know what your what your results are like. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to hear back from the community. Like since the day one, we've always tried to actively engage with our community, be it on Twitter or on other forums, because that really gives us a sense of direction and it also gives us a really good idea of what's going right and what's not. And uh, yeah, so anyone who installs the app, they can always reach out to us uh, from either within the app itself. So we have a request a call option or you can go ahead and send us feedback and we'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. Or you can reach us out on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere we're there, we try to get we try to respond to people as soon as possible. So yeah. And what is the we web? To do that. And what is the website address where people can find out more information? Right. So you can go to www.letsenvision.com. So that's way that's the website address. That's where you can find uh, more information. And if you just search for Envision AI on Google, most likely we're going to show up, uh, and you can install the iOS or the Android version. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that's really exciting news. And again, I urge everybody to at least download the app, install it and check it out. And if you like it, you've got to the end of August to jump on this promotion. Yeah. And we have some really exciting stuff planned for folks on both iOS and Android. So we've been getting a lot of feedback, uh, you know, with uh, with new text recognition features that people want uh, and so on. So we have a whole roadmap of, of really exciting stuff that no one else is doing out there. Uh, we have a whole bunch of exciting stuff coming out in the next few months. Awesome. Well, Karthik, again, thank you so much for reaching out to us and, and sharing this information with our audience. I really appreciate it. Awesome, guys. Uh, yeah, so I definitely get, in, get back in touch with you guys as and when your developments happen uh, and great going with the show. So, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, All right, Ryan. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good night. Nice job. Hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. 
uh, where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. Uh, they can also drop us a line if they so desire, cowbell at atbanter.com. They can also call us toll free at one. Oh, wait, we don't have a phone number. You don't have a phone number. You're <laughs> right. They can't call us. Bring those phones. <laughs> they can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. And Instagram. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, and that's going to about do it for us this week. Uh, hopefully next, I'm hoping that next week we're going to be back to normal. It looks like it. I think. I don't remember if Steve accepted the invite for next week's show. Yeah, I miss Steve. Steve who? His, his, his voice. <laughs> You'll see him soon. Uh, all right. Well, uh, then that's where people can find us. And that means that has taken us to the end of yet another show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, we will most definitely see everybody next week. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.